Welcome back to the Infinite Creators. This episode, I have a lady by the name of Jennifer Doherty. Now, I know Jennifer since I was about 12. Now, when I say I know her, I know of her. And I remember being in school and I seen this older girl and she was a fifth year and she was blind. And I, I was like, oh my God, like, what if I, that was me? What if I couldn't see? And, you know, there's a part of me that felt guilty that I, that I could see and she couldn't. And then recently I did a hike and here was Jennifer doing this hike as well. And I was like, what? This is incredible that this woman that cannot see is climbing this mountain with me. And then I heard that she'd been to Mount Everest, climbed the base camp. And I was like, holy crap, that is just inspiring. I was like, I need to get this lady on this podcast. And I intended to ask her on that day that she was hiking. And then it didn't happen. And then the next week, I went for a dip in the water. And here she was walking with her friend. And that was my opportunity. And uh, here she is now. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Good afternoon, Jennifer. Welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. How's things with you? Good, Ryan. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you today. Um, my first memory of you was when I started secondary school. So I was in first year in the convent in Bonkrana, and I think you would have been in fifth year, so you would have been doing your leaving cert. And I think like the first time I saw you, I was like, there was a part of me that's like, oh my God, I, like, I feel sorry for that person who can't see, you know, and there was like a guilt in this, like that, you know, I'm privileged to have eyesight and I never seen you after that. And that would have been what, nearly 12 or Jesus, that's a long, that's 20 a long years ago. Time. Yeah. And um, I was out hiking. I'd done a hike for mental health awareness that Jason Black was there and I seen you, you were out doing the hiking that day and I was, I was so impressed that, that you were there too, hiking with us. And I was like, geez, that woman is inspiring. And I thought, you know what, I'd love to have a conversation with her. And here we are today. So, um, again, a pleasure to have you here, but I'd, I'd love to, you know, go back to the start and hear all about your journey, Jennifer. And, you know, I suppose going telling us about what happened and going on from there and your earliest memories. Yep. So I'm 37 years old now. So I was born um, 11 weeks premature. So I was obviously really tiny baby when I was born. Born in Dublin, was really sick. And I think it was because of too much oxygen. My retina got detached. And I lost my sight in one eye when I was three months old, just when I came out of hospital. And I went completely blind at nine months old. So for me, I don't remember. Like, I've never been able to remember seeing anything. So I don't know any different. I can only see... I can tell the difference in light and dark if it's really bright or really dark. So I used to have a lot of light perception when I was younger. I could tell if a light was on in a room or, like, the lights in the Christmas tree. My brother used to stick them in my eyes and say, can you see this? Can you see that? And now I, I would be able to see them then, but now I can't. My uh, light perception isn't that strong. So I've never been able to see colours or shapes or shadows or anything. So I don't know what any of those things look like. But when you've never had sight, you don't know what you're missing. So I just grew up, you know, as a blind person leading a blind person's life. I don't know 
any other difference so you know I don't know anything different and it's interesting I think that's really funny that you've that memory and feeling sorry for me you know I think that's funny because I don't I don't see why I would deserve sympathy because I don't know what I'm missing you know I think it's it's a lot harder for people who've had sight and lose it because they have to deal with that loss whereas I've just always been blind so mm-hmm. it's, it's just the way it is yes 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 yeah and I, the perception the that I or the perspective that I was looking through was like if I had was to lose my eyesight you know that's what was making mm-hmm. me making me look looking from that angle and I suppose then it makes me feel grateful that I have it you know but as you say you know you've you've never lost it in a sense it's it's always been that way yeah yeah and going back to I suppose growing up as a kid like what were your earliest memories of realizing or that you noticed that this was something that you know the challenge that you had so I don't really remember when I was really young um you know finding a challenge or anything I just grew up I'm the youngest I have an older brother and sister and I did everything they did um you know they would have went out to play and I just played along with them did what they did I went to play school in Bunkrana and then my cousin Sarah is six weeks older than me so we grew up together two months older we grew up together we went to school together so I just did whatever you know whatever she did so I don't remember at a young age it being any different um I remember I remember being in play school and uh people playing with the toys and me kind of standing in the middle of the floor and the teacher coming over and taking me over to something so I probably kind of have a memory of that that I wasn't able to maybe go and find things or whatever toy I wanted and I remember painting in school you know they had the painting easel and standing thinking maybe not thinking but not really knowing what to do because obviously I've never seen pictures I've never seen so when someone hands a blind per- person a paintbrush like it was great to include a child and do the same things as everyone else but I didn't know what to paint because I didn't know what anything looked like yes. you know so they're the first things I can think of now that I remember but the first time I remember it being an obstacle or a challenge or being told I couldn't do something because my family always just treated me like everyone else and I did you know I did what they did but I remember going to it was the jet center in Coleraine I was about seven and they did like ice skating and I think they did like a play kind of like them soft play places or ball pool or something like that as well and I remember them saying that I couldn't go into the children the bigger children's place because I couldn't see because of insurance so they would only let me into the wee place like where the babies played and of course that wasn't going to be good enough for me so I was like well if I can't do that I'll do nothing so I just sat and coughed and mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere I was like I'm not playing in there if I can't play in the big place I'm not playing in the baby place and that's the first time I ever remember hearing any kind of reason why a blind person couldn't do something yes so that was like the first time that you had had an obstacle yeah yeah and you said that you huffed so how was it after that you know that like encountering this challenge um was that like a discussion then that was open with the people around you or to kind of understand a little more or did you understand why that wasn't possible i don't really remember i i don't remember i suppose whoever was with me like mommy and them would have probably been annoyed as well because they wouldn't have come up against that before um 
I remember maybe they tried to distract me and, you know, cheer me up or whatever, but I just wasn't having any of it. But I, I don't remember, you know, it was never a thing of people feeling sorry for me if something, you know, if I couldn't do something or something couldn't go my way. It's like, well, that's the way it is. Just get on with it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, poor you, you're blind and you can't do this. You know, it was just, just that's the way it is. And, you know, it's kind of unfair, but just move on to the next thing. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So moving on to the next thing, did is this something then that started that you started to become aware of as you like were getting older? You know, being blind, was there any more challenges that that you started to feel like, oh, there's things that I'm that I'm that I'm not able to do, and like, did did that affect you in any way? Being excluded, or was that was that something that you felt? I never really did. Never in primary school, really. I was always very lucky, so suppose maybe just to mention that I would have went to mainstream school so I would have been like I was started school in 1990 I was four and back then people who were blind always went to school like a specific school for the blind in Belfast or Dublin and I would have had to go to Dublin um, go down on a Sunday evening on the bus stay there all week and come home on a Friday night and mom and daddy didn't want me doing that because they felt like I wouldn't be growing up in my town in my local area and you know as part of my community and they would only see me at weekends so they asked mommy was a teacher in the school so she asked if I could go to Scullisagon the plan was until I made my first communion and then go to the school for the blind in Dublin and I'd be a bit older and maybe more able to deal with it or whatever so I started school um and just stayed never left so I think I was maybe the second blind person ever to complete mainstream education in Ireland. And that was brilliant because it was, you know, it was a big deal. It was amazing that the school let me do that. But we were all learning as we went. You know, the teachers were making it up as they went along. I was really lucky. There was a social worker in the town, Mary Stevenson, and she was able to read Braille for some reason. So she she used to teach me it. So I used to go and learn Braille before I went to school. And What age was that? I started when I was three. Yes. So, and then maybe once or twice a week, I would go out from school and, you know, I had different things. I would maybe go out, like, um, and maybe, like, get a bit of extra help or when I was older, training how to use the cane, you know, the white stick. That's a whole other story. So the white, the cane, the white stick is, like, what blind people use to get around and what you're, what you have to be able to use before you get a guide dog. But yes. I just hated it from day one. I despised it. Why? I think because it just made me feel blind. It's like, it's so slow. You're moving, you're feeling every single obstacle and feeling your way around it. And to me, it just made me feel different straight away because I used to just run around with my friends, like hold their hands and when I was older then take their elbow and they'd guide me and I would do whatever they were doing. But then this person would come try to teach me how to use the cane and I just felt like I was slower, I stood out more. It was like, not that I was embarrassed to be blind, but it just made me feel so different. So those kind of things were like, you know, been take, if I had to go out of class for something else to do with being blind, that's when I felt different, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, I was lucky. I was always able to keep up with everyone else in the class. And, you know, like we had this mad system where none of the teachers could read Braille, only one. So... When I would do my work, if I finished before other children, 
someone, either my cousin Sarah or one of my friends, I would read what I wrote, what I brailed back to them, and they would write above it and then hand it up to the teacher so she could read my work. You know, there was no such thing as classroom mm-hmm. assistants. I didn't have a full-time classroom assistant until second year of secondary school. Um, there was no such thing as, like, I didn't use a computer until secondary school, so everything was done through Braille, and we all just made it up as we went along. And, you know, there's definitely things about the education system today that's more accessible for blind people, and there's less barrier. But at the same time, I think I had a great experience because I just lived... I just experienced school the same as my friends. You know, I wasn't... I wasn't, I did whatever they did, you know, like if they were drawn, if they were doing art, I might make things instead or, you know, tactile things or like mommy would have always, if my brother and sister were doing their homework, I would have like, when I was younger, I'd always have a paper and pencil and I'd be there pretending to write as well. Like I couldn't write anything, but I would be there with a pencil or I had stencils and I would draw and I had scented markers and I would color and, you know, all these things that made me as similar to them as possible mm-hmm. you know um so i think really through school primary school anyway i didn't encounter many problems or many you know um definitely not many times where i felt excluded or you felt different because you had to do some different things but not definitely not excluded or not you know not in any any kind of negative way i think you know it maybe got more difficult as I got older yes. in some ways. And from a young age, what did you what did you feel drawn to? Like what were the things that you really enjoyed doing and or learning about? Um, anything to do with animals. I wanted to be a vet. Um, until I realised well, you probably can't really be a vet when you're blind. It would be a bit difficult. Uh and then you had to put animals to sleep and that was the end of that. There was no <laughs> way I was doing that. I wanted to own a farm. Um, I was always writing, writing things. I used to say I'd want to write books. I had all these great ideas, and now I'm 37. I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it's great when you're younger, you, you know, you think of all these things. But I, anything to do with animals or um, writing or... Um, I wasn't very sporty. Everyone else in my family is sporty, and I'm not at all. I played the piano, but I was never... I did it for years, but I was never naturally good at it, you know. But I loved music. I wanted to be a DJ as well for a while. Yeah. Um, and then I got to secondary school when you're supposed to decide, and I hadn't a clue. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, when you think about the things you liked when you were younger, and now you realise you still like those things now, or, you know, you come back to a lot of those things. Mm, and what is it that you've come back to? Uh, well, I always loved music, more listening to music than than playing it but uh music radio um i love animals i'd have loads of dogs if i could um i like um yeah just kind of radio and documentaries and stuff like that and um i always liked walk like outdoors and walking and you know now i'm hiking and just different wee things that i i liked when i was younger that I have kind of come back like I was straight when I was a child like I played with I played with dolls to a certain point but then I, I was never like really maternal and I used to play with dinosaurs <laughs> like I love dinosaurs and then puppy in my pockets and things like that yeah, Any yeah. and farms anything with animals like that yes. was really happy yeah. <laughs> and then that led to you know I suppose you just mentioned it there hiking and 
that was what was really that what was that really impressed me when I, I was like Jesus like that's that's unbelievable I was like I was really really so impressed when I saw you with someone and you were locked in arm in arm and you know you weren't just walking up that mountain like you were marching up that mountain you know and I was very impressed and where did that all start for you was it just a case of did you have you always been out walking with others or um I so it's a bit of a mad story so well first of all I've always been I've always liked outdoors like I haven't so I would always walk a lot when I was younger and then I've I've had two guide dogs I'm just waiting on my third dog now but I've always been out walking with them and love outdoors and we live beside the beach so you know I'd always been the beach and when I was younger I would have you know going for walks daddy would have took me over the rocks and over you know wouldn't have been the flat places you could walk it would always be more complicated things or you know so I was never sheltered or protected like oh watch the hole watch you don't fall you know all them things mm -hmm. I was always so I never had any fear that way of you know uneven ground and that kind of thing but I never really hiked and I didn't realize it was something I loved doing um I was sitting doing work one day so I work for myself and I have an audio transcription business so I type um audio for people doing research so they send me their recordings of whatever their topic is their interviews or whatever they've done and i type them up so i was sitting doing work on friday uh the week before christmas and i got a message out of nowhere from jason black from Letterkenny, and all i knew was he's from Letterkenny. he's an athlete he's been to everest he's been to k2 and he's like an adventurer and that's all i knew um so he kind of told me a bit about himself he said i know you don't know me but i've heard about you and some stuff you've done and i really like your attitude to live life to the full and not let your disability get in your way i'm wondering if we can meet to talk about something and was this this so he had heard about your hiking no i never hiked so she had never even hiked no. at this stage and i don't know what i heard about i couldn't tell you on this day he hasn't fully said one certain thing and i couldn't tell you what it was that made him think this idea would be a good idea like absolute madness so so sorry <laughs> proceed so so i said right okay um so this was a friday he arranged to come to my house on the tuesday morning and i was kind of saying to mommy and my brother my sister like this boy's coming down don't know what he wants having a clue and i said to call my brother go on will you come down with me you know just be there i said he's been to everest i don't know if you don't know what to talk about at least we can talk about nepal because uh, my brother's wife was Nepalese and he, you know, he'd spent a lot of time in Nepal so I was like you just come and be there anyway and mommy was there too uh, so he came to the door and I had no clue when I opened that door to him what I was letting him in for who he was and what the next couple of years would be like so, so when was this this was December 2021 cool four days before Christmas so came in, I made coffee or whatever, and he told us all about himself. And I don't know if you know anyone that knows him, knows a story, but when you hear a story, when he's sitting beside you telling him it, telling it in his own words, you know, he's got a very powerful story. So he told us all about him, his life, his work, things he does, his struggles with mental health. He was very, straight away, he was very open and very honest. That was the first thing that we all kind of noticed and then he said suppose you'll be wondering why i'm here i am taking a group to everest base camp in april so it was a group like people could sign up anyone could sign up 
and he said I'm wondering would you come um it's a like 17 day trip or whatever and told us about the trip and what what it would be and he said you know basically I'll like guide you and the people there will help you and there was no such thing as you know you're blind you need to bring a friend you need to bring your brother you know there was no and I was just sitting listening to all this going what like what what is this boy on about <laughs> I remember mommy saying so are you saying you want to take her to base camp and that just clarified in my head like exactly what he was asking and then she went into like mommy mode and she was asking all the practical questions well how would you get around and how would you do this and where do you sleep and what do you eat and what and I'm just sitting there going I have no no idea what's going on you know any of them days that they're just so mad you like what what was your initial feeling when this guy says burst into your house says I want to take you to Everest when you had done no hiking in your life (laughs) um so I was like at first I was like is he he serious or what and Colin my brother was sitting beside me and he said I don't know I don't know what's going on he said I was like what do you think of this trying to ask him quietly and he said I don't know he said but I'd completely trust him with my leg and I was like right well your brother's not going to tell you that you know because because I was thinking this all sounds too good to be true there must be some catch there must be something yeah um first I was going oh my god I'm not gonna be fit enough like how how fit does he think I am I'm not fit I've never done anything like this and there were so many logistical things being blind that my head just had a hundred questions and he was like what's your gut feeling what do you think now and I was like well if I didn't have all these things to think about I would love to do it you know if he took all the things I was worried about away I would I would love to do it so he says right think about it over Christmas and you know get back to me or whatever and he just it was got up and he was about to leave and I was like right I'm gonna do it I said I'll tell you now I'm gonna do it because if you leave this house I'll overthink it and I won't do it so we just shook hands and that was it and um there was there was a lot of things that happened so like he'd already I mean he planned every bit of it so he had already got me funding from the Donegal Centre for Independent Living. So that's a, a place that provides a personal assistance service for people with disabilities. And I have a PA from there. So he'd got me funding. They do this thing called an opportunity fund and they try and give people, you know, funding to do things with disabilities that might be difficult to do or, you know, might be out of their comfort zone or they might, but like they've never funded anything like this. But he'd been in touch with them. He'd basically secured funding for the trek and all I had to do was pay for my flights. Um, all so this had was he, already had sorted. he done all this before he even yeah. spoke to you? Aye. <laughs> but now that I know him, I know his head works like 10 yeah. miles ahead of everything else. So when he asks you something, he's already 10 steps ahead yeah. thinking of like... And <laughs> how did he hear about you? I don't really know. There was a... Well, in DCIL in 2000, I think it was 2012 or 13, I flew a plane, like a dual control plane. So it was... We kind of did it like a fundraiser, but there was like a you know a plane that had a a pilot and dual control, so they would they would like take off the plane to a certain height, and then they'd let you fly it and land it and all this. So we did this, and um, they have a big picture of me in the plane in the training room in DCIL. And they saw that and asked them who it was, and I don't know, I don't know what else. I, like I've done fundraising for guide dogs, and I've done different things, but I haven't done anything like that. I. He still, I still don't understand it. Like two years later, I'm as confused as the day I came in the door because 
and then it, it just it just all went crazy because I thought right I'll go to base camp and do that and that'll be that but it just hasn't stopped since yeah. and I have no idea why and from that moment then did you have preparation did you have a plan or like how did you prepare yourself for that and what was the time from the moment he mentioned it to, you to the moment that you done it so uh, we had about four months so we left at the end of april um so four months and he didn't really set out a plan like he wasn't even in touch with me that much for a while you know so it wasn't like he was in touch every week and then touch extra because i was blind there was just like um he was just like just get out as much as you can and walk as much as you can so i bought an exercise bike during knockdown and supervisor 79 year old best thing i ever bought because that was so good <laughs> but um like when i wasn't walking with the guide dog and i couldn't get someone to go out and hike with me at least i could cycle in the house put on the music and you know try and strengthen my legs because being blind you can't just go and go to the hills whenever you want and you know so i had to always depend on people to take me out take me for walks and so that was kind of difficult because you couldn't do as much as you wanted maybe and that you were just guessing if you were fit enough you know yeah. and so that led to your first hike yeah and where was your first hike tell me about it i'd like to hear i don't even remember <laughs> um probably up fawn hill or somewhere yeah. um i went up there a bit with um my brother and i i don't even know probably there and then so we didn't meet the group there was 10 of us Jason and nine people from Donegal and we didn't meet up until the middle of March and we were going six weeks later we met and we had a weekend in the Blue Stack Mountains we stayed in the Blue Stack Hostel we all met for the first time and we had two days of like two 25k hikes and it was brilliant because it was just a real tester of you know what it was going to be like and um you got to meet the group and see what was involved and do two really long really really tough days and like I'd never walked anywhere with Jason until then and then we went six weeks later so I didn't even know like how really how fast he walked how tall he was how you know what way any of this was going to work so he walked with me and then he just asked the next person would they walk with me and by the end of the first day everyone in the group had guided me and they all just took turns you know so it's kind of funny because people just get thrown into it whether they want to do it or not and it's um it was i that was kind of a, a bit of an idea of what what nepal would be like but i mean you can't prepare yourself you're trying to get out and do as much as you can as much training and exercise and mentally prepare but you don't know how you're going to be there you know until you get there until you're in altitude and you just try and do what you can and hope for the best really so that was like a, a new phase for Jennifer where you were Jennifer and you did a few walks around, I presume around the town to all of a sudden this transformation mm -hmm. where you're suddenly hiking and you're doing a 25 kilometer hikes, doing two of them in two days. Yeah. What was that period like for you? You know, what, what were you feeling? What were you experiencing? It was really exciting because hiking like hiking is difficult when you're blind because you have to think so much about where you're walking where you're putting your feet you have to co put complete trust in your guide but it's a chance for me to get out and forget about everything else because I'm not responsible for you know even when I'm walking with a guide dog even though it knows the route I still have to think it's an animal I always have to be aware always have to think of where the traffic is where the dogs walk and you know you don't can't fully shut off so hiking's brilliant that way and you're getting to go to different places and different hills that you've never been on 
um just being out in nature just makes me completely relaxed even though what you're doing can be exhausting it's relaxing at the same time and I met so many like I've met more people in the last nearly two years than I have I'd say in the 10 before that you know it's it's brilliant and everyone's kind of the same attitude the same you know mentality I like it because there's no pressure of like having to look a certain way having to dress a certain way or you need to put on makeup you need to dress up you know I do all them things I do them when I'm going to places and when I'm going out with my friends but I they kind of maybe make me feel a bit pressure sometimes Mm -hmm. whereas hiking is just you just go you just be yourself and there's nothing like I said I was never sporty so I wasn't I'm not competitive at all like not one bit so it's great you're not competing with anybody you're just going and chilling and um it's that's been brilliant sounds amazing sounds really really amazing um i'm really excited like to hear more because you 17 day trip was it yeah so that the we we did a couple of days in Kathmandu before we got the plane to where we started um the trek so the trek itself was seven days up and four days down from base camp and we had a day off in between so then we had a couple of you know we had a bit of time in we were supposed mm-hmm. to have a bit of time in Kathmandu on the way back but we got stuck that's a whole other story <laughs> oh, you can tell me that story <laughs> um where did it start so we flew to Kathmandu on the 27th of april um what year 2022 2022 last year is that only a year ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh feels like a lifetime um so two of my friends um two people i know uh three guide dogs ended up doing it as well Amy and michelle so it was lovely to have a couple of people there i knew um we had a couple of days in Kathmandu before it started. The group kind of came together over a couple of days and we walked around the city and saw the temples and Kathmandu is just an amazing, noisy, busy place. It's just, uh, in a way, I find that more scary because the motorbikes and car, like motorbikes fly everywhere. They're beeping the horns the whole time. It's so noisy. They have, you know, those big drains where you step over from the road to the pavement and you have to, like, step over all these things and it's just, like, there's so much going on. Like, it's so sensory, even though I mm. couldn't see it. There's so much. So by the time we had a few days there and we got all our stuff ready or whatever and then we flew to uh, Paplu, I think the airport is called. We usually people go to Lukla, but Jason does it a different way so we start lower down we had an extra four days before we got to like the tourist area so we got to go into local villages that normally people wouldn't get to go and uh, we had more time to acclimatize the altitude and less chance of us getting sick so by the time we flew there i was glad to get away from the noise and the busyness of Kathmandu. so it was kind of like two different trips you know you had the busy city and then you had the mountains then very good what was the weather like? Um, started off warm, maybe Cameron Dew was like late 20s so when we started and then obviously as you go up it's colder and you're putting your layers on and you've it's warm when the sun's out and the sun goes in really quickly, you know, in maybe four or five o'clock and then you've on a other layer, another coat or we didn't get any real extreme weather so, you know, we were we were lucky enough. The weather was pretty, it was cold, at, you know, near the end getting to base camp but it was decent enough. We weren't, we were lucky enough. So you had a seven day up 
yeah. journey yet. So what did each day entail of? What was a day like hiking Everest? So you'd get up maybe half six. So we stayed in tea houses, so they were like they had a, a big they were run by people in the village, you know, that was their homes and they cooked for us. So there's a big room where everyone would sit and eat with a big fire. Um and then we had two people shared a room and they had mattresses nearly on the floor and you ha- slept in your sleeping bag on those. Um so I shared a room with Laura, who was Jason's daughter, who ha- I hadn't met before until the training, but she was brilliant because, you know, that was a big thing for me. I'm sharing a room with someone. I had no independence. Like, I couldn't walk anywhere. I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. I couldn't get my own food. I had to depend on people for everything. And this was something I kind of struggled with a bit at the start, or the idea of it, maybe. Is it is that because... Have you always been independent in your own environment? Yeah, I've always been independent. I've always kind of done my own thing. Like I live lived in my own house now for nearly twelve years. I, you know, I work. I know where everything is. I make my own food. I, you know, all those things. Um, so to have to ask someone for so much help all the time was going to be tough. And I remember Jason just sitting me down and being like, "This is the way it is. You're blind, but this is part of your challenge. But this is, you know, you're just going to." face it like you face every other challenge other people here will have other challenges that you don't have and that's just the way it is so you know let's get on with it I was like right okay but it was great because then when I knew it wasn't a bother for other people to do it then I stopped overthinking it and and I mean like so every night you were staying in a different tea house you'd get up have breakfast hike for the day for maybe 12 10 hours or and would it be a a 10 hour straight a hike or how many breaks would you have You'd have maybe like four, kind of a, you'd have a longer, like a lunch, like an hour, or an hour and a half. Then you might have a, a tea, like a break in the morning, a break in the afternoon, a kind of shorter breaks, like half an hour or whatever. Um, and then the rest of it, you just have small kind of stops along the way for water or whatever. But it was, it was tough. Like you were up steps, down steps. You were over all kinds of ground there was no uneven ground i think from when we left the airport to we got back it was just like you know it wasn't just up and up until you get to base camp and down you know it was everything and they were saying these tea houses at night and everyone was kind of the same sort of layout but and the toilets were like mostly holes in the ground so you'd go and squat and you know i'd be going into the bathroom going what kind of toilet is it so someone <laughs> would describe it for all these things that you never you know um that were all so different and so out of the norm for you know but the people there are just the kindest people they're so nice they're so friendly and once they saw me coming and they knew I was blind they'd be so happy and they you know they just were so welcoming and it was really funny because Jason didn't tell the Sherpas the Sherpas the people who guide us up the mountain he didn't tell them I was blind until uh until they saw me basically at the airport until they saw me coming off the plane they didn't know until then yeah. i was like how did you not think that was a big deal it's like oh, i'll be all right you know he didn't make a big deal about anything because he didn't want me to be treated any different but mm. they were they were all brilliant everyone was just so nice and then we had a day off uh which a lot of people wouldn't get you know if they go the more traditional look route so we got to visit a monastery we got a special blessing uh which is really nice really emotional but it was lovely and we got to visit a local school so we bought copies and pens and pencils and delivered them to the teachers for the children and you know six months worth of stuff um so it was lovely to see the school and 
you know, see that kind of side of it as well. So the whole thing was that, you know, you're kind of trying to see, you're not just going to hike, you're going to see the area that you're hiking in, the culture, how the people live, and hopefully try and give give back to the people in some way as well. So that side of it was was really special for me as well. That's amazing. That was like quite the experience. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, and what was it like when you reached base camp? Base camp was probably my worst day. <laughs> because, um... Did you want to go on to the top? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I think we were just so tired. Um, a couple of people kind of weren't feeling well, and, and the day after as well. So when you know when someone in your group isn't feeling well, kind of, you know, you're you're thinking about them and you're a bit worried about them, and everyone was just tired. And I think I didn't really think it would be emotional, but we got there, and one person everyone was hugging and one person started crying and then everyone was crying and I was like I'd have been the person going I'm not going to cry but um I just wasn't kind of expecting that and then so the whole the whole thing with Nepal that I didn't mention was my so my sister-in-law's Nepalese and um mommy and daddy were going out to visit her family and they booked flights to Nepal, and Daddy had had cancer, but he, you know, he'd been doing okay or whatever. But they decided he'd just have a checkup before they went. Unfortunately, he wasn't well, so they were supposed to go in December 2019, and they ended up canceling their flights, and he passed away three months later. So, like when Jason came to the house, he didn't know any of this. He didn't know our family had any connection to Nepal. So right away, there was something really special about the whole thing, and you know, I kept thinking. How has this all happened? How, you know, how is this happening? How am I here? You know, the whole trip went perfect, but I kept thinking, you know, why? It's just, it's just mad how things happen. But I had a really kind of sense of daddy kind of being there or yeah. overseeing it all in some way. And when we got to base camp, I was just thinking of him so much that day. And it was the first day it just dawned on me like when we came back I couldn't ring him and tell him what it was like and I remember not even wanting to ring anybody and everyone sent messages saying congratulations well done and I think I rang my nephew because I knew he'd he talked to me for a minute and then he would be like oh, I'll see you later talk to you tomorrow so I knew I wouldn't have loads of questions to ask and answer and I don't know I think I wasn't I didn't really think about all that before but just that's what made the day so emotional and then daddy used to always buy me Yorkies from when I was really young and even like as I got older, if I got a bar, if someone got me a bar in the shop, it'd be a Yorkie. Even if I didn't want one, they just automatically buy a Yorkie. So I got two Yorkies and took them to base camp. And we ate them when we were there and we got pictures. So I think it was just this thing that I had this Yorkie and I had this in my head that I was going to eat it at base camp. And I had his remote memorial card with me and his medal and we got that blessed on the way up. And I don't I think I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for all that. But... Mm. Um, no, it was it was a great achievement to get there and you know see the place and say you've been and but the whole thing like I couldn't say one I didn't have one highlight or I couldn't say one thing was better than something else you know the whole the whole trip was amazing really and I still I just think I was so lucky to be able to do it yeah lucky and brave very brave <laughs> <Jennifer>. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know it's admirable what you've done um you know like to not have one of your senses one of the most important senses we have our eyesight and to not let that hold you back like that's incredible like absolutely incredible i think i've always been lucky in the people i've been around so like from my family from you know when i was so sick when i was born like my family my parents were just like well she's alive and she's okay so you know we're not gonna and apparently like mommy wanted to go back to work and my auntie said no or she didn't want to go back to work she wanted to stay off work and watch me my auntie said no because you'll wrap her up in cotton wool and you'll spoil her and you won't let her do anything so it was kind of a lot of like just treating me the same as everyone else when I was growing up and I never I never felt sorry for myself because well why would I but I was never allowed to and you know I've always had people around me that supported me and told never told me I couldn't do things you know my friends um like teachers people in jobs people in you know getting a guide dog and just so many people that have always been supportive and my like I have the PAs the personal assistants and they help me to you know just get out and do things independently I've had all these people and then for someone like Jason to come out of nowhere and be that same level of like really strong support for no no reason do you know when your family and friends do it or someone when it's their job it's different because it's it's just different but for someone to come out of nowhere and decide this is a good idea and then since then like you talk to him and he just make you think you can do anything you know or if you he'd be like anything's possible and if you say you couldn't do something well why not why couldn't you and he would convince you that you could you know lots of people never get that opportunity or they don't know people like that so I'm just so lucky that I've it's like I've been able to be around all the right people mm-hmm. it's inspiring to say the least and like there are so many people out there who you know have the ability to see and you know they don't take themselves walking or they don't take themselves hiking and yet here you are um limitless you know you're still pushing yourself regardless of you know not being able to see you know it just shows for me i see you and i i I see the human potential and i see how you know nothing can hold us back once we put our mind to it and once we believe in it and of course once we have the right people around us Mm -hmm. you know which is what you talked about which is amazing you know you seem to have a really good family who you know haven't treated you differently yeah you know and I suppose, as you say, you're very lucky for that. Mm. But has has that stopped there? Like, what what has been the change for Jennifer after Mount Everest? Like coming home, were you the same person, or were you? Has anything changed? Um, it's funny if you asked me that six months ago or nine months ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you. I I kept saying something's changed, but I don't know what it is. I still don't really know, but I think it's just given me it's given me way more confidence I didn't know I needed not that I was that confident but I didn't really have that belief in myself like you know well as far as hiking goes first so when I came back I did um I've just finished Ireland Ireland seven summits so the highest seven peaks it's highest seven mountain ranges in Ireland so we did one a month for seven months when, when was that started in March in uh, the Wicklow Mountains, and then ended in Donegal in the Seven with the Seven Sisters in September, 
uh, excuse the language, I call them the seven bitches because <laughs> they were horrendous. I said that day was worse than any day in base camp. Like, it was really? horrific. So you do the seven summits over what period of time? So you do you do them over seven months. You do one a day. So se- like a seven, a Saturday hiking. So it could yeah. be eight, an eight-hour hike, a ten-hour hike or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a seven. So you could be taking in like the seven sisters, obviously seven mountains. So Some of them you could be taking in four or five mountains on one day. Well, so you said you've done them <coughs> from March to September. So there's seven summits. So one a month for seven months. One a month for seven yeah. months, yes. So there's a group of people. So you can kind of, they're doing it again next year. So you can kind of join in now. You can mm-hmm. do one or two. You can do like a day or you can go for all seven. Yeah. So Jason told me, I saw it online. I was thinking, ah, oh, it'd be nice to do that because I don't want to lose all this fitness and all this kind of, you know, not do anything now. So I asked him, could I do one? And he said, you'll do them all. <laughs> him, I'd say they're all or nothing. Like it's, yeah. so um, we did them and you get a medal at the end and so I've done that and I cried about it when I came back a couple of weeks ago it was just so fast and so hard I thought my legs were actually broke mm-hmm. and then two days later I signed up to go to Kilimanjaro next June what? <laughs> so That's do you know amazing. I never would have thought I'd have the confidence to do to do any of those things and I suppose if, if we're talking about hiking stuff if he says I think you can do something I kind of believe him a bit more whereas mm-hmm. before I didn't really and I'm like I don't have a clue but he's a mountaineer and he knows what he's talking about so you know I'll just kind of go um go with what he says so I think it's made me more confident the experience in Nepal has made me think about so I was back in Nepal there in February but it's made me realize how lucky we are and how you know we take so much for granted here and we have so much in Ireland like we always we always want more we think we'll be happy when we have this or we have that or you know sometimes we're so materialistic and really we don't need half the stuff we have and we're so lucky and it's just made me think a lot about that and what you know the importance of having stuff it's not really that important you know it's kind of changed that kind of way and it's I don't know it's made me think about different things like I'm thinking now about my job and what I want to do and it's changed something to me. I don't fully know what, what mm. but it's it's well, it's definitely given me a new hobby, and I've met lots of people. And but it's I don't know what it's done. It's done something. I can't really I can't yeah. really explain. Uh, sometimes there are no words. Mm. Um, and yeah, I do agree that we can be very materialistic sometimes. Um, what is it that you know that you feel is important for you in life? I think that you're content with what you have um you know that your your family and the people you love are content i mean if people around you are happy then that's going to make you happy you know i think as well it's the whole thing's made me aware of of kindness you know and maybe how much i do for other people or don't do or you know it's made me think about that like even things like volunteer and i think we can all do a wee bit more you know we can all give more time to other people we can all if you do more for other people you're going to feel better in yourself like you know sometimes you just get so caught up in your own world that you you don't really look at what's going on or what's going on for other people or you know um yeah I, i do agree with that i've come to the conclusion that the purpose of the human being 
is to do other things for other people without seeking anything in return and that can be anything it's just what are you doing to give back what are you doing to help you know and um, i think when we fall into that space that's when we are truly fulfilled because we see the help the kindness that we're offering and we see and hear the i suppose the thanks from others and you know that and for me so i'm, I'm i really resonate with that jennifer mm-hmm. um i'm really grateful for you to share that too for someone who's um you know on a different journey to me and doing the things that you're doing you know uh, i have no doubt that that's just insp- like it inspired me anyway uh, <laughs> like there's so much i haven't done even hiking and i, I like it but i'm like i want to get out there and do more you know um sometimes you do more than when you're with other people like it's hard to just go yourself and do like i know and i wouldn't have done any of this but if you someone to do it with you'll you'll do it quicker or you'll say right i'm having a bad day i couldn't be bothered going out and you go out for a few hours and you come back feeling like a totally different person you mm-hmm. might be exhausted and have sore legs and sore feet but your mentality just changes and for me being blind hiking it's amazing because people walk with you and they'll because they're walking beside you they'll talk and they'll tell you stuff maybe they wouldn't normally talk about or they wouldn't you know and it's 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 really lovely when people trust you that you know that they want to have those conversations and they you know they, they feel like they can talk to you and so in a way sometimes I think being blind people like it's a hassle people have to guide you they have to you know you have to depend on them for things and other ways people will say to me oh you know I've got to talk about stuff today that I never would before because you know it's nice to be in your own and hike sometimes mm-hmm. and be in your own wee world but when you're with someone else you'll you maybe have the chance and the space to talk about stuff that you wouldn't normally so uh, sounds therapeutic uh, it kind of is like but being in nature is just like I know things are different for everyone and but we're just our society just pushes like medication medication like there's so much you can gain from the outdoors like medication and doctors and all these things have their place but like there's so much if you go for a walk or go for a swim like sea swimming I don't do it because I hate the cold but like I know people that do and there's just so much we can learn from that that we're not fully using I don't think and it's like right on our doorstep and you know if you live somewhere like here in Donegal you're just blessed really you know we have everything like what what more would you want (laughs) (laughs) you're dead right i agree um nature is medication to me it's like anytime i'm having a challenging moment i'll put my phone down i'll head out go for a walk around the water around the trees Mm. and i i I just feel better straight away yeah it's a no-brainer you know rather than sitting and watching tv scrolling the phone numbing yourself you know exactly it's just like yeah. it's so so powerful and i pe- i think people i think people underest- underestimate the power of nature you know but Definitely. if we could get more people like you jennifer i think we could have a better society well i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> well i <laughs> we might have so. a matter one i don't know oh no 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 um <laughs> so what what so you've kilimanjaro yeah that when is that june june next year june next year yeah so you've done base camp in everest how far are you able to go up on kilimanjaro 
So Kilimanjaro was the highest freestand amount in the world. So you go right to the top. Mm-hmm. It's 5,800 and something meters. Yes. Um, so that's amazing to be able to say, because like, to go to base camp is brilliant, to, but to be on the top of such a high mountain, I think is going to be amazing. And I've always, I don't know what it is, I've always just wanted to go to Africa from a really young age. I've always been, I probably started with the Lion King. Yeah. Um, but like I've always been interested in it and the animals and the music and you know um, again it's going to be a cultural thing like you get to grind and make your own coffee you get to visit the school you know there's a whole cultural side to it as well that I know people who've gone with Jason Black will say you know that the climbing the mountain is just one part of the whole experience you know so I'm looking forward to all that as well you know and just having something to look forward to having goals having challenges I think I work better when I have something to look forward to um you know it's just it's been I'm better when I have things to do and things to be excited about and because like life is hard you know hard for everyone just everyday stuff can be hard enough and there's so much going on and I think if you stuff to look forward to it it means you don't get stuck in your same thoughts or you're saying you know you've something to work towards and that's my plan for next year anyway see yeah. how it goes so it sounds like you're talking like always having a goal something ahead of you to work towards yeah i mean it could be something really really simple it could be it doesn't have to be a big deal like this you know i'm just going here because i know if i take a break after doing everything i probably might never go back to it but so i'm just thinking i want to keep doing something next year and you know for me being blind it's I can't just join any trip and go, you know, decide to go on a trek or a tour. Like, I would never have this opportunity. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it when I can get it. And um, turns out I'll know someone on this trip. But if I didn't, I could still go anyway. Do you know what I mean? And it wouldn't. So to have those kind of opportunities that I never, ever had before. You know, I used to always think I'd love to be able to travel more. But I can't travel unless someone I know is going to take me. So yeah it's it's great for me to have but uh, your goal can be anything your goal can be what you want to do in the next week or you it know can be i just can be small doesn't have to be dramatic it doesn't have to be a big mountain <laughs> <laughs> no but i i think um just having something you know even if it's just a small goal and, like, and that someone that small goal could be somebody even going for a walk exactly someone who doesn't yeah. walk or who's maybe self-conscious about Maybe their weight or, you know, their fitness. And I, I think as long as you have something. Mm. Is there anything that you haven't experienced that you would like to experience? That you feel now you've climbed, you know, the base camp, Mount Everest, you're going to do Kilimanjaro. Is there anything else you feel that you would like to explore? Good question. Um, not right now. I can't think of anything. But, I mean, I never thought I'd want to do any of these things. So... I could get an idea, mm-hmm. you know, out of nowhere and think I'd love to do that. I don't have, you know, places I'd like to go, like countries and things I'd like to, maybe places I'd like to go, but not not really a big, I don't really have like a bucket list of things or whatever. But yeah. sometimes that's good too, because you don't think you want to do these things and then you're you're surprised by how much you like them, you know, mm. or what, what you can do, but... Um, no, I know Africa's kind of always been one of me that didn't intend climbing Kilimanjaro, but Africa's just always been a place that's kind of been in my head. So, um, 
that'll be that'll be good yes but i imagine your uh you know your attitude and your approach to something that you haven't done before is like a lot different to what it would have been i'd say it is because it kind of gives you a baseline like even the seven summits of the very first day uh jason always does a talk before each one you know just saying a bit about talking a bit about nature and outdoors and just a wee bit to kind of motivate everyone and he introduced me at the start and he said i was his friend and we went to base camp and i was blind and i was walking with him and i said did you really have to tell everyone like did you really have to tell 80 people that i'm blind and who i am and he said yeah i did because now they know that you can do this and they won't feel sorry for you and they know if you've been to base camp you know and i at the end of it i knew what he meant because when people know you can do something they kind of look at you in a different way maybe um so for me even it's kind of like it's kind of my thing sometimes i'm like if i want i'm going to do something that's hard i'm like well i've done base camp can't be that hard you know and they're like as you say it could be just the simplest things like i'll probably be going to get a guide dog in the next i don't know few months even though i've done it twice before it's going to be such a big deal mentally it's going to be a big whole new change again but i'm probably mentally stronger to deal with things than i was two years ago or three years ago or you know so um i definitely think putting yourself out of your comfort zone even if it's terrifying Mm-hmm. makes you mentally stronger for other things that happen in your life you know whether it's just simple like everyday things family things grief you know so many things that people deal with if you're mm-hmm. in a good like we always talk about mental health like you know as in poor mental health but i think noticing what makes your mental health good is just as important you yes. know because when it's good you know it's good and then when it's not you kind of notice and you're like right how can i improve it before it gets worse mm-hmm. instead of always just waiting for things to be bad yeah yeah and i think that comes back to having you know something a practice that at least tries to bring you back into feeling good or feeling balanced and you know we talked about it nature is one of them things that for me anyway is uh really good at bringing me back into balance mm. nature and music and the dog like when you get up in the morning you come down the stairs and the dog is happy to see you or you go outside you go somewhere and come back and the dog's just like yes you're back like no <laughs> human would be that excited to see you ever and it's just the best thing because it's like ah, oh, someone someone loves seeing you that much and you just can't help smile like if you're in a bad mood they just they just take you out of that because they live yeah. in the moment so much like they just take you out of whatever form you're in and just make you laugh because sometimes you kind of need them things or i think being around children or just anything that makes you makes you feel good mm-hmm. i imagine that you know you have heightened senses because you cannot see is that something that's true to you or uh either probably it's not some people would nearly think they're like superhuman and they're better it's not that they're better it's just that i concentrate on them more so mm-hmm. like i know where you are now from my ears not from looking at you or yes. you know i know where like say where the window would be in this room from whatever light i can see or you know mm-hmm. um obviously your sense of touch is so you know so much you have you you need your touch for everything so you kind of you do definitely concentrate on them more Mm -hmm. yeah and so like does that give you the ability to like i'm imagining that you can't 
although you do not see, but you can see within your mind through all the the sensories, uh, the, what you're experiencing through heightened sense to, to really give you a solid, I suppose, and like a, like a really good sense of where you're at in the moment. Is that, is that, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I, I think I'm, your, your senses do like, but then I think your, I think your gut, like your gut is one that we just ignore a lot. I think your gut and your intuition and have a really strong sense of if I know something feels right or not, or, you know, you don't, you, you know, straight away, like we think if you feel, you feel nervous, you feel it in your tummy, mm. you know, you feel there's so much things there straight away that we don't, we don't pay attention to because we're thinking of our heads, we're thinking what we're thinking about rather than what we're feeling. And we're missing so much of that already, you know, mm. if you learn to kind of trust your gut more, even before your other senses. Yeah. You know, you might see something and be like, oh, I don't like that. Or I always laugh. People do it with food. Oh, couldn't eat that. I don't like the look of it. I'm like, well, you don't like that. You're not eating with your eyes. Like, you're eating with your mouth. So if you taste it, you might, <laughs> you know, you might realize you like it. Like, or say someone speaking, like, I'm not saying, people ask me what's my favorite thing about being blind. I always say that I can't judge people as quickly. Not that I can't judge people because I probably do and I can by the way they speak or whatever. But you don't, you can't look at people and judge them straight away by how they look, because so much in the world is based on looks and mm. what's right and what's wrong. And so I think I'm lucky I can't do that. But like, you know, you you can listen to someone speak or look at them, and you've formed an opinion of them straight away before you've ever got to know them or before you've, you know. So I think we just go straight away with what's obviously in front of us sometimes, and we don't take time to think about people deeper down on deeper level or or gut feelings about something or you know and i have no idea if that's because you just asked me but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, no no it's all relevant and um like i do understand about the judgment and sometimes we're just so conditioned that we don't even realize that we do it mm. you know it's just the way society is but um when we become aware of that at least because a lot of people do judge with their eyes they see somebody what they're wearing mm -hmm. their style might be different to what everybody is wearing and what i call the sheep you know like because yeah. a lot of people follow people so if you're not the sheep if you're the shepherd who's changing and going in a different direction you're seen as i suppose a black sheep when really you're just you're just falling into your own mm -hmm. way and your own style without caring what other people think but um yeah i think if people can to learn to judge less or not at all they can bring a new level of happiness and peace to themselves jennifer definitely yeah. you know. mm -hmm. if you were to speak to the younger jennifer or to meet someone else who is blind and young and about to go on the journey that you've went on here maybe four or five what would you say to them And they don't, you know what, they don't even have to be blind. I just know that there's another challenge there without your sight. Mm -hmm. But, you know, seeing what you've done now and knowing what you're capable of, like, what would you say? Um, I, that's a good question. I would, I think if you could, I don't I know you can't when you're younger it's hard to tell people just not to not to worry so much you know 
when you're when you're young anyway but when you're blind as well like it's so easy to just analyze everything or think like you're you feel different because you can't see and what will people think of you and what you know um it's a difficult question because I think so much of it is circumstance like I know you make your own luck like a lot of it is you make but a lot of it is you know the people you're around and I just think if 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 I could tell younger people to just stick to what they believe in more you know stand up for what you believe in and what you what you think is right what you feel is right you know instead of doing what you think you should do like there's lots of times I don't regret anything but there's there's things I did was maybe studying or like courses or things I think maybe I could have did different or I could have you know but if something if something feels right at the time it might you might look at it after and think why did I do that but if it feels right at the time go for it because there's always going to be good that comes out of it because it felt good you know it felt right and it you learn from everything you do you know we think when we're younger off oh, I do this now this is me forever you know everything mm. is learning everything's you're never too late to change or learn or grow or you know so I just that whole overthinking overanalyzing well I still do it now but not as much but I, I wish you could teach people not to do that so much but you can't that's impossible that probably comes with age and experience and you know but just to be able to stand up for yourself and fight because when you have a disability like in some ways I think being blind is one of the easier ones but you're always going to have fights and battles and nothing's going to be straightforward but if you just sit back and take it all you won't go anywhere you know mm-hmm. life's unfair it's unfair to everyone but if you feel sorry for yourself you're just you're not going to get anywhere yeah. yeah very good Jennifer you are an inspiring woman um I am so grateful that you have agreed to come on and have this conversation with me. You really, really have demonstrated, you know, the power of the human, regardless of our disabilities or the challenges that we're faced with. And it's just so inspiring. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. We will catch up again. (laughs) Thank you. That was a beautiful conversation with someone who shows the potential of the human, even if you have a disability, whatever that may be. You know, she hasn't let that get in the way of her doing things that your average human wouldn't even do. Going to Mount Everest, like three in the space of three months, because someone put that challenge to her, it just shows you the mental strength of this woman and our capability of what we can do once we put our mind to it. She is a woman full of knowledge and wisdom and I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and it was just really, really inspiring. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please press subscribe and you'll get all the notifications on each release. So I want to thank you once again for listening to The Infinite Creators and I ask you to remember that you are the infinite creator.